Um, girl, we added a full length couch to the office, and now the like workday naps are epic. Yeah, they're so <laughs> epic that you're like texting me that you're doing them. I'm like, I'm going to the tenth floor. I'm going to take a real long lie down, okay? And I'm like, well, good, because the Saturday traffic is really <laughs> lots of pizzazz. So sleep tight. Patrick Hines. Happy Thursday, everybody. Yes, that's right. Welcome to our, our bonus Dateline episodes. Keith is on fire in this one. I know. I keep wanting to say surprise, but we've been doing this for several weeks. But if you're just joining us, surprise. Oh, my Lord. You guys, if you want more Jillian and me, and I'll say it for the first time in a little while, who could blame you? If you're looking for more us, join us on the Patreon. We're approaching 300 full ad-free bonus episodes. I got to tell you one thing. It's searchable. So if you're like, I want to join the Patreon, but I want to start with Tiger King, or I want to start with cereal. Sure. You can go to the search bar in our Patreon page and it'll take you right to those episodes, well, girl. Uh, that's very helpful. Yeah. That's very helpful. We are also adding a page to the website that's going to put everything in order. You'll see all the series we do plus all the interviews we've done with like Asia yeah. and yeah. like Rabia and the director of Tower right. and Sky Borgman. We're going to categorize everything to make it really... We know we're, we're getting to a point where there's lots of content on the Patreon. As my mom would say, it's a little much. <laughs> it's a little much, it's but a little in a good way. In the good way. enough, Barbara, at the same time. God damn it. I Somewhere she's like, I know, I'm so sorry. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> also, join our Facebook group, you guys. It's where you can go if you want to be the first person to know about merch, about live shows, about anything we're up to, really. Yeah, or discussing Keith being savage. Keith being savage. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to it, you guys. Okay, this episode is called Vanished. This coming up on is wild. It is absolutely wild. A young nursing student disappears. She was still dressed in white hospital scrubs. Something drew her out to her car. The cousin she grew up with, the brother she raised, desperate to find her. They were able to do what a lot of other families have never been able to do. Text messages, security monitors, surveillance video. Were they signs she was trapped, reaching out for help? One of the things I was so angry about was that nothing made sense. Moment by moment. Can you take a look at this? Dateline was there for every turn. There's blood wiped across here. Was she missing or murdered? Was this the key? I will take your life and hers. A threat. A voice seething with hate and rage. You deserve to die for your lies. It's your last and final one. All right, here we are, you guys. We're going to go through this part as quickly as we can because it's a little long. But here's what you need to know. So it's the San Francisco Bay Area. It's May 27th, 2011, 6.55 p.m. And a young nursing student named Mm -hmm. Michelle Lay, L-E, walks across a footbridge from a training she's doing into a parking garage. And we learn quickly that, like, she's still at work, Michelle. You're not supposed to be there, girl. For reasons unknown and without permission, she has left her post at the hospital. Here, she walks through a white Honda CRV, just out of camera range. Then, 7.17 p.m., here is Michelle's Honda leaving the garage. But why? Why then? Just an hour or two before the end of her shift. Good questions. Questions about to engulf a whole family. Keith says an hour or two. I'm like, could you narrow it down, Keith? Could you get a, a time? If Robbie can get Dawn's time card from fucking Lenscrafters, you can get it from the hospital, and like Keith. This, he's all about specificity in this episode. And I'm like, so don't don't fail me now. No. Where it's too early on. So then by 8.56 p.m., we're in the same place, the same parking yeah. lot. Michelle's nursing instructor is seen with a security guard. And Keith's like... Michelle's nursing instructor, annoyed, baffled, Worried by her absence, takes a security guard to the parking lot to look for her car. 
they came looking for her. Like, it's cool of them to be like, that bitch went out for a smoke break and never came back. And at first they're pissed, but now they're like, we gotta go make sure she's not dead in the parking lot, essentially. Right, like, there are cameras everywhere. Yeah. We might be on Dateline. Right, right. <laughs> so by 9.05, Michelle's car comes yeah. back into the garage, but it's two floors below. You know those crazy yeah. garages that have, like, to- several yes. floors? Yeah, yeah. So that's 9.05. 9.06, the car is on the third floor, and this nursing instructor is like, oh my god, Michelle, hi! <laughs> yeah. Did she- you go to Starbucks for everybody, Michelle? Right, because thank you so much. It's right. getting late. But she tries to flag her down like, hey, girl, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off camera, the nursing instructor sees it, waves frantically, and the car suddenly stops, backs up, races down the ramp, out of the garage. Alarm, the nursing instructor calls the police. The car speeds up and books it out of the garage. And I just have, what? <laughs> W-U-T period. Do- ellipsis first, W-U-T period. So the next morning, 400 miles away in San Diego, Michelle's little cousin, she's not little, but like, you know how you say little cousin? Younger cousin, yeah. Her name is Christine. She's woken up via text from Michelle's former boyfriend. Now, here's the thing. Mm. We hear this former boyfriend is very concerned that nobody knows where Michelle is. I don't know why he's involved. He's the former boyfriend. I don't know. I, I don't know why he went to 100 and <laughs> Thank God he did, honestly. Well, Michelle's cousin is like... And so I looked at his message and I was like, oh my gosh, what did Michelle do this time? You know, it's usually out, yeah, having fun. She's a fun-loving person, right? Yeah, and she's always out with her friends and getting lost sometimes. So we thought, I I honestly didn't think much of it at the time. I read the message and I like rolled over back in bed. So Michelle gets lost so often yeah. that you don't think too much of it when someone's like, she's missing. It's like, oh, she's probably lost again. Remember when we were doing the bonus steps last year and we did the Unsolved Mysteries about that guy who like would often drive to work and lose his car. And like not know where his car is. And that is like, it, what a world. What? It, what, like, And then he would take the train home. He'd like give up looking for it. Remember and, that? And here's the thing. If okay. you're a person like that, yeah. you have to accept sure. it. So, but my question was always, how did he eventually find his car? I don't. That part it's I don't just know. A whole lot of new cars. But it's like you can't waste time being mad <laughs> no, or trying to look. Yeah. You just got to get home because you got to get the seven ten yeah. out of out of Penn Station, or else your wife's gonna be real mad. You missed those trades like once or twice before you're <laughs> yeah. like, I, you know I'll deal with the car later. I just exactly. Get home. So the next person to get a text message is Michelle's younger brother Michael. Also gets a text from the ex boyfriend. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, ex boyfriend just trying to get a hold of Michelle. So I didn't pay it any mind, um, but just in case I wanted to see if she was okay. And so I checked on her Facebook recently and she had plans to go to Tahoe with some friends. And so right before going to work, I just sent those friends Facebook messages just to make sure she was okay. This is where we learn that like Michelle and her brother and her cousins are all super close. Yeah, so there's 800 of them and they're all very, very close. Yeah, 15. But yes, it feels like a lot. As an only child, it feels like 800. And it made me jealous. I'm like, I'm not close with my cousins at all. They're all like around (laughs) sort of the same age because, you know, cousins, right? If somebody texted my cousin was like, Patrick's missing, they'd be like, the last time I saw him was 1985. They'd be like, Patrick who? Patrick who? Who? But Michelle, who? I don't know, like, Patrick. With that exact annoyed tone. Yeah, Patrick I don't who? have time. What? No, right. <laughs> Spam, wrong number, Patrick. block, Patrick. Yeah. I should um, call my cousin. Yeah, give him a call. You know? But Michelle was 26 years old, so she she was sort of like the mother figure. She was like the yeah. mother hen of this crew yeah. of cousins. So right? now Christine is trying to call Michelle. Michelle's not answering. And then at 9.30 a.m., this is the next day. This is like the morning after Michelle goes missing. They find her car parked outside an apartment building. It's just a couple of blocks from where she was last seen. This is 12 hours later. Well, yeah, this is not before they try to report Michelle missing right away, and they're told that they have to wait. This is such nonsense. We go over this on OWD all the time. 
time. This doesn't happen as much anymore. Is it state to state? I feel like it I ask you this very, all the time. Well, not only is it state to state, it's county to county. And honest Wonderful. to God, I'm going to tell you something that's going to make you insane. Oh, here we go. It's okay. like ethnicity to ethnicity. Sure. It's like you call about the missing white kid. Yes, ma'am. We'll take the report right away. Yeah. The missing black kid. You know what? He probably just ran away. Yeah. She yeah. was a little slutty. That happened once. Great. Wonderful. Literally, it was like, she's kind of loose. She's probably just out with some guy. Remember when you were like, do you want to do a show about missing people? I was like, no. no. <laughs> Here, we're living it. We're living it. It is awe-inspiring, you guys. And, and in the bad way. I in mean, the in the bad, bad way. way. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. So, yeah. oh my God. So, we meet, uh, Keith says this guy's name differently almost every time. It's either Fraser or Fraser yeah. Richie. He's Can the, we go with Fraser? Fraser. It's just easier. Yeah, it's, he's he's a good one. The case, yeah. <laughs> right? Fraser Richie was the Hayward police inspector called in to have a look. The car was locked. It was secured. So that's why we believe that, that Michelle was possibly somewhere around here. Um, but we we had no clue where to start looking. So the family is now very concerned because they found the car, no Michelle. They all, and they do this about a hundred times in this episode. They live in San Diego. They're like 400 miles away, which is like translates into eight hours. They all jump in the car and they like rush up to where she was last seen. Right. So now 15 hours missing. And, and even Christine, the cousin's like, it was just chaotic, but we weren't thinking the worst at the time. The energy was there. Was it chaotic? Yes. yes. But the phones <laughs> were bang, bang. Like the, everyone's texting Michelle. Yeah. They, they're like making flyers already because the yeah. cops are like, oh, a Vietnamese woman? No, right. don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's 12.45 p.m., 15 hours after Michelle was last seen. All of a sudden, like, there's a text from Michelle's phone. I'm not missing, it read. My phone has been acting crazy. It deleted everything. All these texts have killed my battery. Michelle sent a flurry of reassuring texts to friends and family. I'm fine, she wrote. Just taking it easy. My phone has been acting crazy. It deleted everything. And I'm like, okay, those are like three different things you're those saying. Those are three why. different things. And like, she's she's texting everyone back. And my whole thing with this every time is like, we know that you're the kidnapper because it's not a phone call. Like, as soon as you start texting from the missing person's phone, everyone, thank God, is bad at murder. You're bad at kidnapping. Right, right, you're right. bad at hiding your tracks. Totally. Like, we're always... Why, like, I love that this person is responding from Michelle's phone because it means we're going to fucking catch this person. But right. what a moron. And they're giving different excuses to different people. Yeah. Oh, all these, all these texts killed my battery or all the texts were deleted right. or I'm fine just taking it easy or I'm sick or whatever and then when they send to the the ex-boyfriend who is this Keith goes oh uh-oh. <laughs> Keith put down the popcorn. There's a missing woman. We got to find her. But not, I mean, obviously nobody in the family is falling for this, but it does give them hope that maybe she's alive and being held somewhere. Like, at least she's not been murdered is what they're thinking. Right. So the family is going to hold on to this. She's alive. We just don't know where she is, but she's yeah. alive. And yeah. so Keith asked her younger brother, Michael, like, what does that feel like to, you know, have this idea in your head that your sister's been kidnapped? And Michael's like, <sighs> it's hard to put into words. Um, living nightmare, I think. Is the closest thing. Well, I guess Keith, if I if I had to describe it, uh, yeah. it's like living a nightmare. I know. Is that good enough for you? I know. Just Keith do that thing again with this family where he's like, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions that make me look like a dick. Yeah, but uh, I but just, we need we're, we're going to need it for the we, we need the audio. Hi, hi, my name is Keith Morrison. I'm going to be playing the role of someone who's new here, <laughs> totally. so just bear with me. But so finally, after 18 hours, the family and friends mm-hmm. go to meet with this detective Fraser guy, and he reaches out to her like right away. He like texts her or whatever, and she's like, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. And he's like. 
like, no, 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 girl. That's not how this works. Like, you need to call me right now. This is very serious. And Michelle supposedly is like, oh, I, I wish I could, but my phone's dying. Also, I'm having car trouble. Right. <laughs> like, you got to pick a lie and go with it, whoever you are. Whoever you are. But this is, like, my least favorite part of all of these missing persons episodes. Let's explore the option she went missing on purpose. The only thing different here is when the family's like, I had asked, is it possible that she could just be out there um, all stressed out? And they said, yes, it's possible. Actually, yes. There's a lot of us. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah. Jo- <laughs> She's the mother. She's taking care of all of us. It is possible she needed a day off. So then they're like, okay, so, you know, she she is, she's very smart. She's really focused on her nursing. And yeah. they're like, all right, well, maybe she didn't run away. Does she have any enemies? Which you're like, how could this person have any enemies? And then they're like. The only problems that she seemed to be having with anybody was coming from Giselle Esteban. So there's this woman named Giselle, uh, and she was basically part of our family, and now they hate... Well, Giselle hates Michelle more. Uh Michelle's still trying to be friends, but, like, imagine if if someone asked, like, does Patrick have any enemies? I'd be like, not... No, not enough for Dateline to investigate. (laughs) Right. There are people who hate me, people who hate you, but to, like, kill me? Not enough for... That's the new threshold, you guys. If you know anybody in your life that hates you enough that Dateline might have to ultimately investigate that shit... Let's do something about that. Go into witness protection right now. So the fact that they were like, Giselle, actually. Her name's Giselle. We know exactly who who you're looking for. Also, great name. Like, I do love the name. But we we learned the backstory about Giselle and Michelle. Like, they were best friends. Giselle was part of the family. They both moved to San Francisco in 2002 after high school. Giselle falls in love with a very, very handsome guy named Scott. Yeah. And they have a baby, and they ended up breaking up three years later. And so now, here's where the drama comes in. Yeah. Because our victim, Michelle, she stayed friends with Scott the ex-boyfriend. I mean, and here's the thing, like, I don't know, like, if you broke up with Mike, I'm not staying friends with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. I'm just saying that, like, Giselle's allowed to be a little pissed about where that. Where it's like, no, I'm siding with, yeah. or I'm pick, you know, yes. Yeah, and it's like, I knew you for, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's- <laughs> I'm not staying friends with him. Why not? <laughs> no way. Oh my yeah. God, no. Like, I'm trying to think of another example. Like, I, my friends, like, well, no, I, I probably would stay. <laughs> anyway. But no, I know what you mean, yeah. where it's like your friend, you you are friends with the partner, significant other, because of this one person. And you don't have to hate the person, but your allegiance should be to your lifelong friend. You know what I mean? I don't, I think they were all friends together. I don't know the yeah. details You're of that. You're really defending Michelle's decision to stay friends with Scott. Yeah, I am. Okay, well, that's not what I would have imagined, but I like it. So the cops. Call in Giselle, because they're like, you're Michelle's enemy. Like, we got to talk to Best you, Best friend right? slash enemy. Good, good place to start, cops. Right? But yeah. we hear a couple of conversations with Giselle. Yeah. And they're like... We're here about Michelle Lee. Michelle. Oh, God, what about her? She went missing last night from her work. Uh, we understand that you guys had a tumultuous uh, relationship. A tumultuous relationship? She was my best friend who... She was my best friend. Well, then she slept with my fiance. Okay. Well, that would lead any friendship on a bumpy road. Yeah. And she's like, I don't know where she is. But like the the ex-fiance is that guy, Scott, that Michelle insisted on staying friends with, which you're fine with. Yeah. And Giselle's like, why would I know where Michelle is? I don't even like her. I don't even want to know where she is. Literally the first words out of your mouth where she's your mortal enemy. Why would I know where she is? Oh, God. What about her? Oh, God. What about her? 
So now they're going to see Hot Scott, and they are very interested to find out. I thought this was interesting, too. Scott has full custody yes. of his kid with Giselle. And they say, like, the cop, Frazier's, like... Listening to him, talking to him, and the relationship with him and his daughter and his, and his family and things like that, he didn't seem to be the person, that, the type of person that could lie, that would lie. That's how we got, like, Ted Bundy escaping twice right. and all these horror... He just exactly. didn't seem like the type. Now, thank God, Scott, in my view, I agree. Yes. That's, like, a, one of the only times I'm I like, I... I agree. There is a moment where we see Scott at, a, at like, oh. a, a vigil for Michelle. Yeah. He looks hot right. and shifty as hell. It's right out of Gone Girl. Right out of Gone Girl. <laughs> so the family is super involved in the case. They yeah. want all these answers, and the cops are like, we kind of can't do that just yet. We, we're not going to share all this information with Which you. Which makes sense. I mean, like, Frazier says to us at some point, like, there's certain procedural things that we have to keep close to us that we can't put out there because we have to maintain evidence. We have to maintain the custody of certain information, and it's of evidentiary value to us that if we don't have the suspect in custody that the only people that know about it is the suspect and us they have to keep the information that only they and the killer would know yeah it's right? one of those things where it's like you're looking at me like you a strong disagree no for you. no because it's so frustrating because <laughs> it's like you want to get their face and their word out there yeah. like you want everyone to know as much information as possible but then the cops are like yeah but that could fuck up the case and, and it's, it's like we little... only have a little information you know what i mean like we can't like i i mean i understand that it's agonizing for the family but i also understand that like the cops have to do their job too right well you know as when long you could... as they're doing it you know what i mean right and you know when you could start doing the job not 72 hours after someone goes missing Mill- like when a family yeah, said, yeah. like, j- that's why the family's like, okay, we had to wait, sit on it for three days, uh-huh. and they already are starting to do it. So oh they feel like the cops aren't doing anything, yep. right? So the family is convinced that Michelle is alive and she's being held somewhere. Yeah. So eight days after she goes missing, they hold a vigil, which was right near where her car was found. And this is where Hot Scott, Giselle's ex boyfriend, is like, we see a shot of it. And Keith makes a note for us. He's like, quietly attending was Scott. The young man the police had questioned a week earlier, Giselle Esteban's old boyfriend, remember? The father of her child. And it like pans up to Scott. Scott looks real nervous. Yeah, he looks well, real he, nervous. He has his like hands in his pockets, and he's the hood is up. Teeth. Yeah. And he looks like, please don't see me, please don't see me, please don't see me. Again, right out of Gone Girl. I know. Um and so like He's very good looking. Can I say it again? He is, yes, yeah, of course. He's very good looking. Don't let Giselle hear it. I know. That's all I'm saying. But I, We're gonna record another episode today where I'm gonna not say that a hundred times. Hard agree about Scott, just yeah. saying. <laughs> and we get the slow zoom. I'm like, Keith, okay. I know. <laughs> All right, I get it. Like, directly from, like, the film school of how to make somebody look guilty, for sure. And it's also, like, not the best picture because it's just a gigantic group of people. So by the time they zoom in on Scott, it's super grainy. I was like, what is this, surveillance footage? And I feel like, I I honestly feel like they filter it so everybody around him is in black and white. And he's, like, red. It's like, is that blood dripping off of Scott's face? What? No. Is he mouthing, I did it? I did it. What's happening? So after the cops search the car, the cops take the case from missing person to homicide and they tell the family not enough not enough they yeah. t- they're like oh so we looked at the car based on what we found it's now a homicide and that's it thank you so much bye they said you know i think you have to get comfortable with with the fact that your sister is probably dead we were horrified and just like that the information door closed but without hearing an explanation or seeing any evidence how could the family believe the police 
I guess I'm glad they told him that, but the family just doesn't accept it. Like, they are hard. Like, until we have a body, she's out there and we gotta find her. And, like, that's a double-edged sword because you have to imagine they're like, oh my god, she's still alive and maybe that's great, but also she's being tortured every minute that we can't find her. Right, like, the clock is ticking, we have to get her, and the cops, according to the family, are doing absolutely nothing to help this case. Yeah, and so Michelle's family, they're Asian-Americans, and Christy, the cousin, is explaining to us, we were of two trains of thought here. Yes. The young people among us were like, all we can do is go public. Like, that's the best thing we can do for this case. And the older people in the family were like, no, 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 no. We don't talk about this. This is personal. It's private. We don't want to go public. But the kids were like, fuck that, you guys. Asian families, when you're younger, you're supposed to be very, very respectful of the hierarchy in the family. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're not supposed to boss anybody around. But I was just livid. And I was so angry. So the younger kids are like, sorry, elders. Yeah. We're taking to social media. They basically do like a press tour. The, yes. the, the younger cousins are everywhere. They're talking about how Michelle is alive. We need your help because we need to rescue her. Yeah. She's been kidnapped. The cops are lying. Like they're doing press conferences saying the cops are lying and they're not telling us anything. And we need you, the public, to help us. And then it goes to commercial and then it comes back from commercial. And we learn here that there actually was one surveillance camera right above Michelle's car that would have shown us fucking everything. And it didn't work. It was the one camera that wasn't working and the one camera that would have solved it immediately. This is the only time I agree with the death penalty. Like, who was in charge of this and put them to death? Don't you feel personally attacked by this? Because I also think that, like, did the killer know this? Did the killer know that the camera wasn't working? Or did they just assume that they would get caught immediately and they didn't care? I know. How how did the killer get that lucky? It's too perfect. It's too perfect. You know how I'm saying the word perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you love it. Like, you're glad it happened. God, you're going to edit me. I am happy. About death. No. No, it is, but it's like, it just seems like too weird of a coincidence. I know. Like, if you're the killer and 24 hours later, you're like, oh my God, I fucking got away with that. Yeah. And unfortunately, we never go back to it, so we'll never know. Um, Can't we pass some kind of law that's like, the surveillance cameras must be working at all times, or somebody goes to the gas chamber. And then just upload everything to the fucking cloud if you need that memory card immediately. Remember when the cloud became a thing and everybody thought, like, all their sex tapes were going to be, like, sent to all their friends? I still don't understand how my phone knows that I'm close to the iPad. I know. Or that, like, I needed your, I needed the Wi-Fi password the other day, and our phones were next to each other, and I you were know. like, oh, I could just share it. And I I'm know. like, oh, it is we should magic. be terrified. We should be absolutely terrified by that. I still don't even really know what the cloud is. Mm. Oh. Now, here's something wild, right? Are you going to say the same thing I was going to say? Let's see. <laughs> Let's see. 34 it's- days after the disappearance, Michelle's family contacts Dateline. Yes. That's so- incredible, and here we are. And I'm like, whoa, wait, wait. The family has a direct line to Dateline headquarters? Probably not. I mean, I would think that there's probably a submission form. Mm -hmm. I worked for uh, like a wing of NBC News for a year when I first moved to New York. You would get shit like this all the time. All the time. People guess email addresses and they're all right because it's everybody's first name dot last name at NBC News. Keith at Dateline.com. I mean, but at first we're like, hey Morrison, try them all. Yeah. One of them's going to hit. You know what I mean? (laughs) Hi, Keith. It's me again. I know. Let's say hi. I cannot tell you in my life of podcasting the number of like very famous people I've met whose email addresses are first name dot last name at Gmail. Yep. Or like first initial dot last name. Yep. One time in particular, you and I both are like, this is not safe. This is not <laughs> safe. And they're yeah. like, well, when you have the same email address for so long, now I have to change right. I wasn't always famous. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, right. right. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, Gmail's yeah. been around for a Everyone long time. Everyone just assume you're going to be famous and get a really like, just do something like tree bark at, you know. Tree bark? Tree bark 14 at gmail.com. That should be everyone's email address. But then the conversation that comes with it every time, your email's <laughs> (laughs) What? (laughs) 
Well, yeah. it was because I knew I'd I be afraid. so astronomically famous that I didn't want anyone to contact me before. Yeah. And then I feel like whoever's responding to me would be like, oh, that tracks about you. Right. That tracks about and then, you. And then, like, then you're forced to actually change your Gmail. Yeah, just, just say, just, just keep it as your name. Yeah. It's just annoying. <laughs> anyway, this family contacts Dateline. Dateline apparently is super interested because Keith is right there. Right. And because what they want to tell Keith, they're like, Keith, girl, listen, they've hired a PI. Yes. PI Michael. Yeah. And PI Michael is here. PI Michael Fromey. And he's here. He's kind of grumpy. Yeah. But the thing that's crazy is that Michelle is missing 34 days and they get Dateline immediately. Yeah. Because PI Michael, in the middle of his investigation, like on his lunch break, goes to sit down with Keith. He's in the middle. Like this, Because then we see Keith later, like, this, like, later on, oh, Dateline was there to capture this. Like, whoa, wait, Dateline follows this story as it's happening. It's unbelievable. So, P.I. Mike is saying to us, like, his theory of the crime is that it happened really quickly. This had happened quickly. This was a public parking garage. People came in and, and go from that garage all, all night. Someone was lying awake. They knew that at some point she'd return to her vehicle. It was a number of hours before shift was going to be over, and they were prepared to abduct her at that time. He's saying that, like, nobody knows why she went to her car, but he just assumes that she was lured out there, like, on a break. Yeah, because they they assumed that she planned to come back because all of her belongings were left at the hospital. So everyone is saying this had to be somebody that she knew. So the family keeps raising reward money because they're all about... You know, money really talks. Like, this is a thing that, like, again, working on a lot of missing... I don't work on missing persons cases, you guys. Like, knowing about... (laughs) Working on... Knowing about a lot of missing persons cases, like, the more you make the reward, the more likely you are to get tips. $100,000 they get it to. That's a lot of money. And a lot of it is from themselves, and a lot of it's from private donations. But, like, in not a lot of time, they have $100,000. Think about that. I know. It's only been about 34 days. It's a lot of time. It's a a painful amount of time, but to raise hundred grand in that much... And it's like, this is where we learn, you know, poor Michael, Michelle's younger brother, is really fucking going through it. And this is where we learn that their mom died of breast cancer when they were really young. And we get this, like, heartbreaking story of, like... After her mom passed away, she didn't even know what to do at first until she saw... Michael in the garage um, holding something of his mom's and crying. She told me, you know, that was the time I knew it was time to be, you know, a big sister and be a mother figure. They really feel like if Michelle were here, she wouldn't rest, she wouldn't sleep if this was one of us. Right, right, right. You know, like, yeah. we gotta fucking find her. And then Keith tells us that, like, you know, time is going on and, uh, and of course, public interest wanes Keith. I know, and it's like... Understandably, I think he's... <laughs> yeah, because it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm definitely just speaking for myself here, but it's like... I also want to care about this new horrible thing I heard about. And I, I still care about that other thing, but then this other thing is here and I'm good. And then tomorrow there's going to be another horrible thing to yeah. care about. And then I don't sleep for a week and maybe I should have been a PI. I know. <laughs> now that I'm saying it out loud. You would have been a great PI. I, I believe in you as a PI. I'm half living that life know, of just like caring too much and up at night and not sleeping yeah. great. I might as well. It's all the downsides. Like, if, right. It might as well like find someone totally. every once in a while if yeah. I'm going to live this life, right? But we learn about this woman, Carrie McGonigal, and she's got a, an organization because her daughter was kidnapped and murdered two years before her daughter Amber Dubois and so now she runs mm-hmm. an organization called Team Amber we're gonna come back to Carrie but the, the the thing that Carrie does right now is put Michelle's family in touch with a man named Mark Class and everyone's acting like we don't know who he is like we don't know that he's Polly Class's dad like it's very weird yeah yes right okay Polly Class is one of the most famous missing persons cases of like my youth like she went missing in Northern California and I remember Winona Ryder got really involved and it was like a, it was like a big deal the minute you see his face, you're like, where do I know him? Yeah, well, I just know the name. As soon yeah. as I knew it was like Mark Class and he was involved in like a missing person I, thing. I went to IMDb for a second. I, oh. the, at, for, at, 
that's how familiar yeah, his yeah, face yeah, yeah, yeah. was to me. Where yeah. I'm like, how do I know yeah, that face? The Polly class case is like is a big one, but he now does this thing where he helps families of missing people find their people through these like proven scientific methods, and he's really really good at it. And he's so, real intense. He's, too. Oh, he's very intense. <laughs> but Mark meets up with Michelle's family. I met the family in a dingy motel on the side of the freeway in Hayward, California at about 11 o'clock in the morning and they were all huddled inside this little room. And I looked around and I said, the first thing you people need to do is get out of this room. Dark and depressing. It was horrible. Yeah, he's like, you're doing this all wrong. Yeah. Uh, right. You need a real headquarters. You have to yeah. run a goddamn comb through your hair. You gotta get we out gotta... of this dark, dingy, gross, smelly room. Yeah, we gotta get some coffee. We yeah. gotta get amped and let's fucking go. <laughs> and he, like, hands you him a... You get the sense that Mark really lives on coffee. Yes! Yeah. And he gets, like, this... He basically hands him a checklist of, like, yes. wait, no, 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 no. This is what we're gonna do, and I know because I did it. Yes, and because his method is, like, he says, like, scientifically tried and true. Like, there are certain things that we know. You have to basically start in the center and work your way out. Um, letting following statistics that the vast majority of people that are missing are going to be found a within a half mile radius of where they went missing or b within a five mile radius of where they went missing. That's why cops and police departments everywhere, you need to start looking right away. Right because away. Because they're not going far. No, you know what I mean? No. Or That's you why... can get them before they get far. Yes, yeah, You yeah, know, yeah. but he's saying like the people are found, like there's a reason for that. Yes. And he's like, you look, you start at the middle of their lives, the center, and then you work your way out and you listen to the numbers. You yes. listen to the science. And Keith's like, this ooh. Is... I know. Oh, Mark, <laughs> this is real. Mark, ooh, you're, you're kind of a downer, Mark. Like, this is real dismal work you do and mark is like it's not dismal no nothing that we do is dismal it's hard work it can be heartbreaking it can be so sad but it's not dismal it's it's really good work and it's important work and there's just not enough people doing it no keith no that's where you're wrong sweetheart that's where you're wrong he goes it's heartbreaking it's horrible yeah it's atrocious it's horrifying basically every synonym for dismal and he's like but keith you know what it's not it's not dismal okay but he's literally saying like it can be very sad but there's not enough people doing this and that was when i was like should i quit this and go and work with him it sounds like work you would wake up every day feeling good about your life yeah and i understand why he was like it's not dismal keith because like there can be closure. Yes. There can yeah. be like it's hard work, but we have to do it and more people have to because do it. Because the only thing sadder than finding out your loved one is dead is not having any answers. And he gets to help them get answers. Right. You know? Right. So Mark is like And the first order of business said Mark repair the relationship with the police. We needed help from the police and they slowly started to let us know where they thought we should be looking. And when we pressed them, why should we be looking there? Why should we be looking there? They finally said, well, because that's where the cell towers take us. He says the first order of business is repair the relationship with the police. And I was thinking about our friend Sarah Turney, whose sister's Alyssa Turney. She had a real bad relationship with the police because she felt like they weren't doing enough. They didn't believe her. They weren't listening to her. And I want to, I put like a a mental pin in my brain to be like, ask her about that. Yes, totally. Like, would she ever have considered going to them and like repairing their relationship? Yeah. And look, I understand why people just want to say, fuck it. I'm not, you know, whatever. Because you want to trust that the authorities are doing the right things. And sometimes they are, but other times they actually don't give a shit. Yeah. And or you're it, trying to pin it on the wrong person or whatever, yeah, you know? And, and I'm going to say it again. It all starts when they're like, can you call us back in three days so we can like really take the missing person seriously? I That's know. when it all starts, yeah. you know? Yeah. So Mark actually gets information from the cops. The cops tell Mark, yeah. this private citizen who, yes, is like backed by science, but he's just kind of some guy yeah. in the grand scheme of things, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. They're like, Mark, just be cool. <laughs> 
<laughs> We're going to tell you what the cell records say, which is gigantic news. They basically say, like, if you are going to go looking, go looking in this area. Because this is the area where the cell phone records let us know was, like, the last place the cell phone was. Which I'm like, well, why aren't you guys looking there I know. then? I know. Why are you sending these private fucking citizens and the family of the missing and now I, I guess you're saying probably dead person? Yeah. Like, I don't think you're insinuating that she's living in a tent out there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I can't, I, uh, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. Yeah. So here's the strange journey Michelle's phone took. This is how the cops arrived at the location where they're telling Mark and the family, if you're going to go look, go look over here. We're too busy. You guys do it. Yeah. In the two hours after Michelle abruptly left a training session here at the Kaiser Hospital in San Francisco's East Bay, that phone of hers left its indelible footprint through the congested streets of the East Bay. And then it turned onto a two-lane back road, and then a major freeway, and then it pinged its way right back along the very same route. Back to the parking lot. Then back to the parking lot, and then remember how she sped away again when the friend's like, hi, we've been missing you. Like, what's going on? Yeah. So Mark is like, I'm going to do what I do and put this super serious and legit team together. And so Michelle's family all, like, jumps in the car from Southern California again. They drive up to the Bay Area, and we find out that this location that they're going to is this, like, super vast and rugged, like, canyon that, like, experienced hikers can't get through this. Right. But, like, this is where they're saying they need to go look for Michelle. So it's 49 days missing. These people are fucking organized. Yeah. And they also say, and I'm, you know what I'm going to say? This area is a haven for the homeless. It's also a notorious dumping ground. It's a notorious dumping ground. I- I know. There should be no such thing. I don't. There should be no such thing. And the thing is. Matt, give me the floodlights, Matt. That's what we need. That's what we want. Anywhere it's a known dumping ground, it should be a known floodlight zone. A former dumping ground that is now turned into. Oh, are you talking about the floodlight zone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The former known dumping ground. Yeah, the former. Yeah, we don't even call it that anymore because it's been so long (laughs) since we've had the floodlights. it's so bright over there now. 24 hours a day. And do it green. Do it green. Solar. Whatever. I don't care. But the thing. Like and the more and more recent the yeah. cases are, yeah. the more I ha- like the less I have time for it. I like, know. I'm like, is this happening in 2018? And I you're know. still telling me a, no- a known notorious, d- notorious? <laughs> that should you should I find know. somebody there once. Wait, let me say some words to you and see what your reaction is. God, known sex trafficking highway. Fuck that. I know. <laughs> what was that? The uh, Phoenix Colden? Yeah, episode? it was yeah. like you guys, the world's most famous. Like it was a ball of yarn <laughs> in Kansas. <laughs> it was the world's most famous. Sex, sex trafficking, trafficking highway. Super highway super or whatever. I'm like, don't give it a name. No. No. I'm not going to capitalize I, it. I don't, don't, don't make it a proper it. fucking noun. Just end it. I end it. Shut that highway down. End it. Shut it down. Or just have people, I don't know. What happened to that attention. highway? Well, it used to be a known sex trafficking super highway. Now we got to walk. You know what? Stop sex trafficking. You get your cars back, America. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Now it's like the end of the backlog freeway. Totally. And everyone who goes there has to stop and try to open a backlog rape kit and figure some shit out. That's everyone. That's society's punishment and penance for this shit that we've allowed to continue for decades. Julian's Law coming this fall to NBC. And the sound effect is the floodlights. Yes, yes. So anyway, they're in this known dumping ground slash canyon where Michelle's body might be. And they are right away, they're finding tents that might have bodies in them. There's sleeping bags that they're overturning. They find a set of bones that they send off. It turns out not to be human. But then, then, then. they find another bone. And you guys, I got to say, like, as much as Mark Class's team is, like, amazing and they're really on top of it, it's the mm-hmm. Dateline producer that sees this enormous fucking, like, thigh bone. That does look like a thigh bone. Good joint. Hey, Ian, come take a look at this for me. There's no other bones around it, which is kind of interesting. It's big. 
It's pretty big, huh? That's just a really big ball. Looking at a bone from a large mammal. My dad in his office, because he's a doctor of physical therapy, he would have like the skeleton bones just to show yeah. people like, yeah. here's what we're working with. Yeah. And it was like that kind of super white, yellowy, like plastic yeah. feeling yes. that it looked like yeah. someone went to my dad's office and just said, I'm going to place this super fake bone here. I mean, it really, and they're looking at it, they're like, oh shit, that does kind of look like it could be human. They send it off, you guys. It is a human thigh bone. Yep. And they're immediately like, well, it can't be hers because it definitely belongs to a male and it's way too old. Like it's been here way too long. But who is that though? Are we going to look for five seconds? And I'm like, are we going to test it again at just a lower third? Get, hand it back to that same producer. Totally, Can we yeah. run a co- two tree tests on it? <laughs> a little something. Like, take some DNA and put it in some system somewhere. So if someone is looking for their fucking family, like now we've got a better shot. Or just say like, did anyone go missing in this area? We have a femur. Oh my God. Have, have any really tall people vanished in the last 10 years? I know it's exhausting, yeah. but you signed up for That's it. What your job, your job is. is to find, is give closure and find people and save lives and yes. just do the right thing so just do it so i don't care that you're tired i'm tired every day and i don't do it just do it i'm done and get those fucking floodlights up while you're at it jillian's got date night with mike tonight she looks like a million fucking dollars she's not here for anyone's shit today fuck everything but um, i'm right about the floodlights yeah so then i just have so and now keith is taking us all the way back almost, almost. to the beginning and basically while the family has like decided that she's alive remember detective frazier his murder investigation has been going full throttle like they know she's dead essentially right cuz remember the last time we we heard anything from the cops is when they were like it's a homicide yeah. we can't say anything else so then we've been following the family who's like it's not a homicide it's a kidnapping totally. so now we're going to go back to that moment in time yeah. where they realize it's a homicide so it's minutes before midnight may 28th 2011 it's 20- 29 hours after Michelle disappeared. And this is where the cops go to see Giselle Esteban, who was Michelle's like best friend, but then mortal enemy. Because remember at first she was like, why would I know where she is? I don't even like her. Yeah. And and you know what? Fair point, Giselle. And then she's like, well, of course I've been looking for her because I just want to give her a piece of my mind and tell her to stay away from my daughter. So then we get like a more in-depth conversation with Giselle. It's video and it's down at the station. Yeah. She's down at the station and like Giselle's not in real good spirits. She's over it. She's over it. She's like laying on the table. She doesn't look well. You know what I mean? She's got her hoodie on, the hood up, her head's in her hands. Like, she's upset. But I'm like, are you upset because your friend or someone you know is missing? Well, but this is where we get Giselle's side of the story. She's like, look. Considered her my sister. And then what happened? She made a mistake. Scott made a mistake. And that was that when you were with Scott? Or had you guys broken up? Or No, we were still together. They made the mistake twice. I used to think of her as my sister, but she and Scott, remember Hot Scott, who's yeah. like the dad of Giselle's kid? They made a mistake. Who's at the vigil? Who's creepily? at the vigil? Yeah. Yeah. So according to Giselle, Michelle and Scott slept together twice. And Giselle tells us yeah. the story. So Giselle was pregnant with her second child and she goes to Michelle's hospital for a prenatal checkup. And this yeah. is like hours before Michelle disappeared. Giselle is placing herself at Michelle's hospital. Right. And Giselle says, I saw Michelle from a distance. I was shocked to see her there. And I'm like, really? At the place where she works. Like, okay. And then she's, Giselle says to herself, like, girl, keep your blood pressure down or else you're going to lose the baby. And Keith's like, oh, so she had strong feelings. Like, she's so worried. The sight of Michelle is a danger to her unborn baby. And the fact that she's placing herself at the place where Michelle went missing, like, hours beforehand is, like, kind of shocking to the cops. But they're also, like, she's, like, a a little woman. 
and she's pregnant. Like, there's no way she could murder this woman and dispose of the body by herself, right? Right. So, so they let her go. Right. And so now Keith is with this Inspector Richie guy to yeah. check out Michelle's car. And Keith's like, I feel a little gross about this. It feels yeah. like a violation. I don't like it. Here, the morbid sense we were somehow violating a sad and very personal uh, space. We're continuing with the timeline. Like, later that night after the cops interviewed Giselle, this is when the cops go to Michelle's car and they mm-hmm. look inside. Once we get the car open, you can see there's blood wiped across here in the plastic, a little bit on the floor mat. And then, as you can see, there's more droplets or blood dropping down, going in straight down pattern. Police also found some blood smeared on the floor of the garage where Michelle's car had been parked. Remember when they wouldn't tell the family why they thought she was murdered? This is why. This is why. They're like, there's blood everywhere. Everywhere. And so they're saying like, okay, so Michelle was attacked in her car. Yeah. It was really violent. It was really physical. Yeah. And, 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 there's an ID card. Yes. From Michelle's nursing school, but it's not Michelle's. And this is a little bit confusing at first, but what what happens is the cops call the nursing school and they're like, hey, we have an ID for this woman. Do you know this name? And they're like, yeah, that's a teacher we just hired. We made it an ID for her, but it got stolen. And this is where Keith explains to us that this ID is also like a badge that you can use to like scan yourself into a building. Right. So this is actually very cool. And I'm assuming a pretty underrated moment. Yeah. This is how Dateline does it. Here's the thing about these identity cards. They're, they are actually key cards. This is mine at NBC here. And whenever I'm in the headquarters building at 30 Rockefeller Plaza, I use them to swipe the key card on that little box there. It makes an electronic recording of the use of the card at that moment in time and at this place. And then, of course, they're being watched by a security camera at the same time. And what's very, very cool is that this entire scene is made up of shots from the security cameras. Yes, exactly. Not a, not a single camera is like the fancy pants Dateline camera. Yeah. It's either the camera looking down. It's to show when you are going in a place that has a key card like this, yes. like Michelle's Nursing School, you are being watched constantly. Oh, so like the, the idea is that Giselle like stole this key card, right? Right. And we don't really know why, but they're like, why would she want like key access to the Michelle's nursing school? And so they go back into the surveillance video of the nursing school on the day the ID went missing and fucking there's Giselle right. after hours in a lab coat just like walking around in classrooms like turning on computers. It is, it is, <laughs> it, it really is wild. And like to see her, Keith kind of yeah. gives us the like, look, you can't go anywhere without right. being seen by the cameras. <laughs> and then it's like, let's follow Giselle from cat and we do and from location no to location. To be there. Like it doesn't right. We see her room to room. It's after hours. No one's in there. It is really fucking scary to watch. Right. Which picked her up in the morning at the nursing school, posing as a prospective student. Well there she stole an instructor's key card, then appeared to test whether it would work by entering this break room. And then at 5.30 in the evening, when the, the campus is closed, she gains access through the back door using that electronic Same key card. swipe card. Yes. She's like sneaking in back doors to get into labs. She's walking around in a lab coat. She's turning on computers. She steals a student roster with all these photos on it. And then she's walking around like pretending she's an instructor, like talking to a room full of nobody. Yes. And she's in there for an hour and a half. It is so fucking weird. Just sort of trying to get the lay of the land, right. but then stealing <laughs> a student roster, which is very scary. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, wearing yeah. the lab coat, whatever. So now cops, okay, this is where it gets like, holy shit. Yeah. Cops start talking to eyewitnesses and they're like, wait a second. Based on conversations with eyewitnesses and the fact, remember, we've heard it a thousand times, we're being watched constantly. Yes, yeah. We can follow Giselle 
from that moment, just for the next little bit. Let's just take a journey with yeah. Giselle. Let's just see where she so goes. it's the day after Michelle goes missing. It's and like the early in the morning. Early the morning in the morning, after. we see video surveillance of the inside of a fucking Apple store where Giselle is there with her daughter to unlock an iPhone. And she tells the guy, I, I mean, this would probably work. Who's going to say no to this? I because she she's using her daughter. Yes. She's like all frantic and she's like, oh, my super adorable daughter yeah. did like press a bunch of buttons on my phone. Can you just please unlock it for me? And yeah. of course the daughter's probably there begging for attention from her mother <laughs> because Giselle is not giving it to her as we'll see as the day goes on. I'll tell you, if, if I was like, Daisy, daddy killed somebody last night and I need you to pretend that you put a number into this phone and as soon as I do that, you get to have the phone for the rest of the day, Daisy would go along with anything. Just don't tell her anything. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and tell her like, oh, we're going to go to the playground after we do yeah, this yeah, yeah. boring no, thing. No, Daisy wants the phone. Yeah. All Daisy cares about in her life is playing with my phone. Yeah. She'll make noise enough where the guy's like, oh my God, I just have to unlock this fucking phone. <laughs> Remember how there was like radio silence from Michelle and then all of a sudden she's like texting everybody that is in Michelle's phone being like, I'm fine. I'm not dead. I'm not missing. I just don't want to talk to anybody. Leave me alone. Yeah. Now we're at the Chuck E. Cheese with the unlocked phone, which we now know is Michelle's phone right. that Giselle has. And we see her sending those text messages. Couple things about this. Yeah. Do you or do you not know Chuck E. Cheese's real name? No. What? His full name is Charles Entertainment Cheese. <laughs> Look it up. It's a fun fact to just sprinkle in Charles, Charles Entertainment Cheese. But no, no, no. No, Ch- Charles is my father. I'm Chuck, please. <laughs> Charles Entertainment is my father. So we see her. There are kids running yeah. around. Where the fuck is her daughter? I know. Her daughter is nowhere to be found in the footage with Chuck yep. E. Cheese. Oh, my God. That's so fucking scary. Oh, my God. Remember when the cop was like, you know, Michelle's like, oh, my phone's dead. Also, I have car trouble. Also, yeah, every- yeah, everything's yeah. a race. Like, everyone gets a different story. Yeah. We see yeah. Giselle do this because once the cop says, like, we're on to you, we know you're not Michelle. Or whatever, she gets spooked. Yeah. And it all happens at Charles Entertainment Cheese's <laughs> At his at- at home his, in his kingdom now they're tracking Michelle's phone for the rest of the day they see that Giselle was circling that vigil that yes. they were having for Michelle that's so that fucking crazy that Hot Scott went to that Hot Scott went to then we see that she's outside Hot Scott's house she's just driving by and um, so then the cops are like Richie was all but sure now Giselle had something to do with Michelle's disappearance the question now was did she have some help and this is where they're saying it has to be Hot Scott. That's the only other person connected to this. And then, as they're like, it has to be Hot Scott, late July 2011, Detective Frazier gets a call from Hot Scott, breathless, probably thinking about me. Shirtless. He's shirtless, I'm sure. It's 63 days after Michelle's been missing. He says he thinks he found Michelle's phone in the backseat of his fucking car. Which is terrifying. And he's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I swear to God, by the way, here's a restraining order I have against that crazy woman, Giselle. I can now see that it looks like we did this together, but I swear to God, it's not me. The cops are like... Sure, Jan. Let's uh, invite us in. Coffee yeah. and donuts, yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, sure. Let's have a conversation. Thank you so much. This is where we learn that Giselle is just out of her mind. And then the cops are like, is he one of these dummies who's going to try to insert himself in right. the situation? It's yeah. going to backfire to be like, no, I didn't do it. That and is place totally it. what I would do, by the way. Because, right. But also, Giselle is 5'2 and yeah. like four months pregnant. I know. But we learn that like Scott is really afraid of Giselle, too. In signed declarations, both Scott and his mother told how their family was awakened early one morning by Scott's Carl. Scott went to investigate. And while he's out front, he hears his mother screaming. He goes inside. Giselle is inside of his house. She's inside his room tampering with his computer. 
four days before Michelle goes missing, yeah. in the middle of the night, broke in and was like on his computer and messing with all of his Trying computer stuff. Trying to like make him look guilty of shit. And then we get this audio. This audio will say, if this doesn't send a shiver down your spine, you need to check yourself but into some sort of bar or something. But it's also something. like nothing I've ever heard in my life. No, and so Hot Scott is so afraid of Giselle that he records this without her knowing. They're in a car and their child is in the back seat of the car and Giselle is just saying like, like and the tone of her voice. And this is four months before Michelle goes missing. Yeah. So like Giselle's been furious for a long time. Yeah. We are going to be honest about Michelle. Do you understand me? Whether you sleep with her, whether you share food with her, whether you talk to her, you will be honest with me. Look at me. You will be honest with me regarding her. Otherwise, I will take your life and hers. And you can take that to the grave with you. Because according to Giselle, Scott and Michelle have been sleeping together. Do we know that that's not true? That is not true. How do we know? Because everybody says so. And I know how that sounds. (laughs) Just bear with me. But she's just like, you know, you deserve to die for your lies, as does she. This is your last warning. And I'm just like, the tone of her voice is fucking terrifying. And because she starts like, I will take your life. She starts to whisper. And you could feel like, I don't know, Giselle. Thank God. I feel like I'm not missing much. (laughs) But it's that tone where you're like, if you're Scott, it's like, her face changed. Oh my God. Like she's not fully cognizant of what's happening. And I don't know if you noticed this as she's saying, I will take your life. And you could take that with, you could take that to you to, with the grave, blah, blah, blah. You could hear their daughter in the back going, mom, I know you can. She's calling for her mother sweetly. Yeah. Not freaking out, but like Giselle is not here. Like she's blacked out with fury. She's fucking furious. What were the conversations like before this for Scott to be like, I'm going to record the next one. Well, I'm glad that you said that because then we meet this other prosecutor who's involved in the case. And I didn't write his name down, but then they gave us five minutes of his backstory. And I was like, oh, okay. His name is Butch Ford. And this guy is saying, well, look. For the better part of six years, she had an obsession with Michelle. Her text messages were filled with hatred towards Michelle at every step of the way. And then towards the the last four months or so, they were filled with hatred towards Scott. Just to really hit this point home, Giselle is threatening to kill Michelle and Scott in this call because she says, you deserve to die for your lies, as does she. If you lie to me again, that's what's going to happen. What do you do with that? When you're like on the receiving end of that, what do you fucking, he gets a restraining order, but like, that is so terrifying. I mean, he- And yes, I understand this happens to women like 99% more than it happens to men. I'm just saying, in any situation, that's terrifying. Sure. And what's even more terrifying is that if this happened four months before Michelle went missing and Scott and Michelle were even if they were friends like we know that Giselle manufactured all of this like they were not sleeping together but I do think that like Scott had a lot of information that he didn't bring to the cops all the while Michelle was missing but what what I'm saying is he must have been telling Michelle like she's out for both of us right you would hope yeah so like was Michelle aware of the hatred for four months but also my other question is like when Michelle went missing did Scott go to the cops and say like oh by the way Giselle's been threatening to kill her for six years right like what Where's that disconnect? And also, fuck the 72 hours if you have 16,000 pages of text or whatever. <laughs> so, like, the the story basically breaks when Detective Frazier gets a tip from a Catholic priest. It was actually outside of an office in a patio area. Then he asked her several times, do you want to go into a confessional? She said no. So that's why he was able to talk to us about it. And... She was asking for forgiveness for something that she had not yet done. Wait a minute. She asked for forgiveness for a sin. That's what the... She hadn't committed. That's the interpretation that the priest had got. That was roughly at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 
the day that Michelle went missing. Keith can't handle it, and neither can I. So the priest is like, something super weird well, happened to me the other day. it happened in the courtyard at the church. It did not happen in a confessional, which is how the priest is able to go to the cops. Right. Although I think there is a loophole there. I think they even say to you, I was a Catholic for a long time, when you would go to confession, like, by the way, if you confess to murder, we will go to the cops. Like, if you're going to hurt you or someone right, else, like right. the therapist law, too, exactly, where it's right. like, if you're like going to hurt yourself. or yeah. yeah. So all the cops are like, everybody knows she did it. Yeah. Like, clearly she did it, but they don't know how or yeah. where, and they don't know where Michelle's body is. And they're also able to connect Michelle and Giselle on the night Michelle went missing because they have Michelle's phone records. Remember, they're like, this is why you should search in this area. They also have Giselle's. And it's like, Giselle went to exactly the same place as Michelle went at exactly the same time. Almost like they were traveling together, right. but their phones were. Right. But the big thing that happens is that it wasn't enough until the lab results finally came back from evidence seized that very first night in Giselle Esteban's apartment, specifically from her shoes. Those tests uncovered a trace amount of blood blood that belonged to Michelle. Only one explanation for that. So, like, technology's great, yeah. and we need it for help, yeah. and, like, it's always watching and listening. Yeah. But it really just, for this, it came down to old-fashioned blood evidence. Yeah, so they arrest her. The family is, like, shocked and devastated. Also, because... Giselle has a real attitude when she's arrested. <laughs> she goes, what now? Giselle? Don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. Don't fucking worry about it, Giselle. What now, she says. And the family is shocked and devastated that, like, they're sort of confronted with the idea that Michelle is not coming back. And the person who did it was, like, at their house all the time. They were, yeah. like, family. They, you know, not like... Like she needs to be taken in, but you know, those big families, yeah. like she was at every big event, every big occasion, they were like sisters. And so if you remember Carrie McGonigal, she was the lady whose daughter was murdered, Amber, Amber. and she was the one who connected the family to Mark Class. So the family mounts one final search in that area, and she she has dogs. Like she's got cadaver dogs. That's her thing. Like that's what she does. Yeah, we're with a dog. We don't get her name, I- which <laughs> very rude. Well, she was a dog in training, and Carrie tells us that, like, and she was acting weird. She was jumping all over the place. She was barking. Parking, wanted to get away from me and as I buckled her up she took off from me and ran and uh, so I start running after her and she comes back and she jumps up on me and takes off again I followed her and she was just standing still and she goes over to see the dog and there she sees like clothing and rope and they unearth the remains of Michelle Lay I know, I know. and what makes this even worse is cousin Christine yeah. hears about this from a fucking reporter and the reporter heard about it from somebody in the fucking search party show it, yourself like show yourself you the, motherfucker you're in the search party and you called the press before the family found like out? you could hear the dog barking yeah. in the phone call probably. Yeah. Like, like this is so, like, reporters also stop fucking doing this too. Listen if you're gonna be trash and, and 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 leak it, that's one thing. Wait, you think the reporter's worse than the person in the search party who leaked it? I think when you call Christine and say, do you have any thoughts about your dead cousin when she doesn't, you know that she can't know about but it she yet. she only knows about it because the person who was looking, like, I feel like, it, look, I'm not blaming I think it's Mark all bad. I, I know. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I mean, you have to be some kind of fucking evil asshole to be in the search party and call call Christine if you gotta make a phone call call Christine and like what does that do for you I you know. told someone like I know. no one's gonna give you the credit right. like that's the credit you want you want your name I in the know. paper for this horrible like, is horrible that tragedy why you were in the search party you asshole oh my god that made me insane so then um, the family is still struggling they still don't believe it's her and yeah. so they need to have the dental records confirm it and then they can't pretend anymore it really is Michelle yeah 
Yeah, and like we'll go through this quickly, but like, you know, October 2012, Giselle goes on trial, and because there is no video of how the murder happened, like the the prosecution is like hammering like Giselle did it for XYZ reason, thinking that they're gonna come back and be like, no girl, like you don't have any evidence that it was actually me. And instead, Giselle's defense team is that like she did do it, but it was in the heat of the moment. Like it wasn't premeditated, it's not first degree murder, it's involuntary manslaughter. Yeah. And that's what the whole trial becomes about is that like was it premeditated and it's first degree murder or was it in the an argument and it's first degree manslaughter it's one or the other she cannot get acquitted it's either first degree murder or manslaughter because Giselle admits it right. and, and the, it's like a, like a hush falls and everyone's like wait what yes. because she's like oh I yeah I killed right. her she's not trying to get off she's just yeah. trying to get a lesser sentence exactly and so if she were to be convicted of involuntary manslaughter she'd be out in nine years Jesus but good news that's not what happens nope. she gets convicted of first degree murder she gets life and forever in prison now Michael Michelle's brother and Christine the cousin work with Mark Class and his organization yeah, yeah. so like they kind of because it's like let the younger generation do the work kind yeah. of moment where they're like I'm sorry elders yeah <laughs> just like technology they're like still explaining to the, the older parents like yeah. wait the phone how did the <laughs> phone track her and they're like not now grandma we'll tell you another time <laughs> Oh my goodness, girl, we did, did, did what's this, what's it called? Vanished. It's called Vanished. Um, You guys, if you want more information on Mark Class's organization, how you can donate, how you can help, how you can get involved, it's classkids.org, and that's K-L-A-A-S, kids, K-I-D-S, dot org. Go spend some time on the website. It's an amazing thing that they're doing, helping people find their lost loved ones. Yeah, because more people need to do it. So. More people need to do it. Just know it's going to take a lot of time, but if you have that time, if you're yeah. okay being tired, go forth and help. Exactly. If you want more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon. What else, girl? Um, that's it. You know, that's yeah. it. I'm a little angry today, but God know. knows. But you know what? You're dressed up for date night. You look like a million bucks. Thank you so much. You're welcome. We love you guys. We love you. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. So the cops are like, let's talk to G- let's t- the cops. <laughs> <laughs> Giselle and Michelle. I, it's okay. very hard. And well, I was like, oh, all right. I just fell in my chair again. again? Yes. Oh my God, this fucking chair. He always asks at least one inappropriate question. He's like, how you doing? I'm like, not great, Keith. How do you think they're doing? <laughs> We're coming down really hard on you, Keith, but we really do love we you. Love you. And yeah. because I'm sure he had that conversation where he's like, I I'm have to ask. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, have yeah, to yeah. ask you. Keith also loves to say caught the case. He says it in every episode. Did he say it? I thought that was just me because no, I no, was no, watching episodes of The Wire. He oh, says great. it every time. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't color-coded in my Keith thing in my notes, so I missed that one. That one slipped by me. I, I would take like a half a day's work looking yeah, at you just, at the like, very least. But after lunch, you got to go right back to like thinking it's something else. Oh, yeah, because you know me. 4.45, I'm already looking. <laughs> I'm halfway out the door. You got to get me right before 5. The clock strikes 5. A mammal of some kind, is, I, I think is what they say. I can't. So, Jed, that would be I helpful know. to Let's me. Let's care about all the dead people in this episode. Yeah. Let's care about all of them. It would you be know? helpful to me at the very least yeah, if you <laughs> could just try to solve every single case. Exactly. It would really yeah. be helpful. Thank yeah. you. You can't try to solve crimes and find missing people if you enjoy your free time. Yeah. You need right. to allow it to yes. take over your life and ruin your relationships. Yes. And just... You gotta get real comfy with a bottle of bourbon That's yes. just, and, and, and coffee early, like 5 a.m. black coffee. Or whatever. You can yeah. sleep anywhere because sure. you gotta get a couple of snoozes in <laughs> while you can get it. You're all gonna be stained. You're gonna be sitting in your car a lot with the windows rolled up. Can we go find that woman? I have in my notes. I hope you told somebody about it, Michael. <laughs> the P.I. I know. It's unbelievable. Like That woman might still be in the basement somewhere. But he's like, oh, damn. Damn it, that's not her. <laughs> All right, moving on. No, 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 no. No. 